0: them, good on them. I I just want to let you know, we don't normally wear Carlton football jumpers every week. If you're here for the first time, I just promise you, this is not normal. Now I've got to try and make you feel welcome, especially Collingwood supporters and Hawthorne supporters and all different people, you know. But uh, we do want to say welcome and we hope that nothing else apart from the jumper offends you tonight in the service. We really just want you to see Jesus tonight, that's for sure. Um, It's great that you're here, and it's great that you're here on this uh, first night of uh, Daylight Savings. It's kind of got dark earlier, hasn't it? And now it's all dark outside, and it feels like it's really late, but it's not. So we're glad you made it, glad you changed your clocks and you got here on the right time too. Hey, some exciting things are happening. Um, We've got... Uh, one, of the, one of the real needs that we have, uh, which is a real pressing need as a church, is for people who would lead in singing, people that would be singers up the front, people that would uh, be able to use their, their gifts in, in singing uh, here in the church service. So we're really looking for people that will sing. And uh, if you have been here for the church in the church over six months now, then we just love you if you can sing come tomorrow night opportunity for anyone who can sing to come along and give it a go Um, if uh, you might end up actually being in a choir we're looking at getting a bit of a choir going but we're mainly looking for people that will sing as well regularly in our service so really give that some thought you know we're not looking for people who don't want to sing and just get up there but we are looking for people who can sing and feel that God might have given them this gift that they might want to use so Please don't hold back if you can sing and you feel this might be for you. Tomorrow night, 7.30, here, it's a great opportunity to to, um, just see if this might be a ministry for you. We also want to let you know that some exciting stuff's happening next Saturday. Nine o'clock down at the Kumbarooma, the uh, young adults are going on a canoe trip and a barbecue. They're going to have that from nine o'clock to one p.m., And it's only $28, so that's going to be fabulous. And you need to get your money to Sam tonight at the information desk. So he's going to be there after the service at the information desk. So that's going to be great fun, hey, for those that are going? Fabulous, yeah. So don't miss that. I'm really excited. Uh, Tonight after the service, um, we're going to be uh, meeting for prayer. And uh, as you open the pages of Scripture... Uh, you, I just find that as you read through the Bible, you come to the part where Jesus uh, bursts in on the scene and just the most incredible miracles start taking place. Uh, some of the most touching ones are times when he heals people. He um, you know, touches the eyes of a blind person and uh, he, he spits and makes mud and puts it on someone's eyes and they start to see. Uh, a woman reaches out and her bleeding just stops after so many years no one else could fix uh, he heals lame people. Um, just the, the incredible touch of Jesus. Well, tonight after the service, 20 minutes after the service finishes tonight, we're going to invite we, We're just everyone who would like to to come back to the uh, back of the church, just through the corridor and back to the um, back room. And we're going to be just praying that Jesus would heal people and that uh, those that are sick, those that have been struggling through any kind of um, sickness, we're just going to be praying together. So if you'd like to stay 20 minutes after the service and come down there and and pray with us. It would be just great um, to pray together. Uh, Just a a few weeks ago now, on the 19th of the 3rd, uh, Melissa Lotz's sister, Elizabeth, um, died. And uh, we just want to let you know, Melissa, we're really sorry that that's happened. And we know that in the last couple of weeks, there's been the funeral and... um, You've been back home and and been there right through that time but we just wanted to say as a church we really uh, are grieving with you in that and we really feel for you and the family and we just thought tonight might be a good time just to to pray for you and to give thanks for uh, Elizabeth's life. Let's just pray together and do that now. Oh God, uh, sometimes uh, life just doesn't go as we thought it would and the rug is often just pulled out from right underneath us. So God, we would pray at this time for uh, the Lotes family. We ask that you would be with them in this time where they've uh, faced this tragedy of losing Elizabeth. And yet, God, we just pray that as they look at this and as they have their trust completely in you, that you would be their strength and their comfort at this time. God, we thank you for Elizabeth's uh, faith and trust in you. God, we thank you that uh, she belonged to you. And we just praise you for the testimony uh, that was shared at her um, funeral of the life that she lived. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of her life and all that she meant to so many people. Lord, thank you for uh, what she's left for so many. And we give you praise. Lord, would you be with all the Lotes family in their grief, especially for Melissa. And we pray that you would just uh, continue to um, be with them and your presence be known in their family god we would pray for us all through life as we face turns and changes in the road and sometimes face things that are just so painful we pray that you'd always help us to stick close to you keep our eyes on you and just know that even at the times when we don't feel it that you are with us you surround us and you comfort us God, tonight. We just want to say, would you speak to us during this service? God, would you uh, have your way in our lives, challenge us about things we need to be challenged in, reveal new truths to us that we might not yet be understanding fully. God, we want to live our lives for you. So please, we're yours. Speak to us tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: pray. Father God, you you are holy. uh, You are blessed. um, You are blessed. You are amazing, God. And Father, we worship you here tonight. Um, We worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Holy Spirit. And we just pray that now, Lord, that you would come and meet with us in your word. Uh, Lord, may our hearts and our minds be open to your thoughts about your world and us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ah, well, has anyone, anybody ever denied something about yourself that you know is true? You ever denied something about yourself that you know is true? Maybe you've, uh, you're in denial or you've denied that you actually love someone, Um. When my brother was single, he spent a lot of time looking for the right girl. And one Sunday night, I was able to go to his church. church, And I noticed there was this girl um, that he appeared to be showing some special attention to. And vice versa, she was showing, kind of reciprocating his special attention. But when I quizzed him on the suitability of this particular girl, he said, no, I don't like her. He denied it. Well, happens that three months later he calls me up and he says, "Oh, you know that girl at church? Oh, we started going out. I'm going, oh, really? Really, you like her, do you? You know." And then a few, a little bit later on, they got engaged and then they got married. He was in denial about his love for her. <laughs> Maybe you can relate right now. At uni, uh, when I was studying natural resource management, the cool thing to like were animals, cool little marsupials, if you like. Now, some of you don't know what's going on here, you don't really care about them, you might even shoot them, but (laughs) as an environmental kind of person, I used to, that was the cool thing, you know, like animals. But I found myself liking plants. And talk about obscurity, I found myself really liking moths. And liverworts. Does anyone know what a liverwort is? A liverwort, anyone? No, I like them. I like these little plants. When I go for a walk in the bush and I find a a piece of moss, it's really green and nice, and liverworts, I'll kind of get down there and go, Michelle, look at this. And I'm explaining the reproduction of moss and liverworts. Anyway, when I was at uni, that wasn't cool, so I kind of denied it. I liked animals, man. They're cool. Animals. Anyway quirky story. (laughs) What about smells? You might let one accidentally slip (laughs) when you're in public. Now you might not want anyone to know it was you, so you remain deathly silent. Your heart might start to beat a bit faster as you feel the blood rush to your head. Now, I don't know anything about this. I've got a mate. (laughs) He told me about that, yeah. Do you live in denial sometimes? Uh, Denying things about yourself that you know uh, is true. Well, in tonight's reading of John's Gospel, we're kind of getting closer to Jesus' death on the cross. And on the, in the pathway up to his death, we have this, uh, a moment, an incident in, in, the, in the life of the disciples in Jesus. And there's an incident about, about denial, about denial. But this denial is no small kind of thing, no small problem. And it's a denial that I think sometimes uh, rings true in your life and in my life. So, if you've got your Bibles with you, please open with me to John 18, verses 15 and following a little bit. John chapter 18, 15 following. Peter's first denial. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus because... This disciple was known to the high priest. He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the girl on duty there and brought Peter in. "'You are not one of his disciples, are you?' the girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, "'I am not.'" It was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire They had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I've spoken directly. I've spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Anna sent him, still bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. To give us a little context to what is happening, Jesus has just been arrested. He's done nothing wrong, but the religious leaders have conspired against Jesus um, to have him arrested. And if they can to put him to death. So while Jesus was with the disciples, praying in an olive grove, some religious officials, complete with a detachment of soldiers, came and arrested him. They came with flaming torches, those what I presume would be long sticks with flaming stuff on the top, to guide him through the night and swords as if Jesus was a militant revolutionary and as if he was this dangerous. And they took him and they brought him to uh, one of the high priests, one of the big-wig Jewish religious leaders at the time, for questioning. And this is kind of where our story fits in. And I just want to begin again by just looking, reading a bit of this out. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus, because this disciple was known to the high priest. He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the girl in Judy there and brought Peter in. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire. They had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Here we have Simon Peter and another disciple. Some think uh, it's John uh, following Jesus. And in Matthew's account of the same incident, we hear that they're following a little bit from a distance, presumably because they don't want to be associated with Jesus because they might get arrested. And when they get to the high priest's house, the other disciple seems to have one of those cool connections. So he gets to go straight into the high priest's courtyard and then he comes back in, comes back out, You know, he does his schmoozing with someone and brings Peter in as well. And this is where... All of a sudden, we're introduced to a terrible moment in the life of Peter. If you know your story here, at a previous moment, back, you know, maybe only a few hours beforehand, Peter had said to Jesus that he would lay his life down for him. So passionate was he of Jesus and a follower of him, and so much did he love him, that he said, I would die for you, Jesus. Jesus. And here we have this uh, moment of truth. A moment when Peter could could stand up and be counted for his faith. Where he could be transparent about his faith, about his love of Jesus, regardless of the cost. And what does he do? He denies Jesus. He denies any connection to him at all. I am not, he says. Now, in Matthew's account of this moment, he brings it out much more strongly, I think. Peter, in Matthew's account, is he's disowning Jesus. He's severing, like if you like, all connection to Jesus. What Peter says in Matthew's account, it says he says, I don't know what you're talking about. Then it says he denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. Instead of being open and transparent about his love um, and close friendship with Jesus, he denies him. Now, denial, it's a pretty strong word. So some of us at this point might be thinking that, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. I can't possibly, I don't deny him with my life. But let me suggest to us that there can be times, and there could be times in your life, in my life, where we do deny our allegiance, where we deny that we actually know Jesus. Now, a literal meaning of the word denial is to like refuse to recognise. So when Peter denied Jesus, he did it by refusing to recognise that he knew him in the presence of those people. He refuses to recognise, or if you like, he hides the truth that he loves Jesus. He hides it. He doesn't want them to know, he hides it. Now, there are a number of things that people like to hide, and various reasons for why you might hide something. I used to have my favorite toys that I used to love playing with, Um, but I also had an older brother. Turns out it was the same brother who was living in denial before. And he assumed that he could play with all my toys. Now, I wouldn't have a problem with this, being a pretty generous kid, whatever age it was, but he would kind of deny me the right of using his. And because he was bigger and stronger, he'd kind of slap me around a bit and he'd get to play with them. So what I did, I'd hide my toys, hide them nice and good so that he wouldn't be able to play with them. Now, I used to have this mate and he hid things for a different reason. My mate Dean didn't like banks. Um, probably because of all those bank fees they make you pay. So he hid all his money in a tin under his bed. He saved up $15,000 and bought a car. Big tin, I reckon, under his bed. He hid his much-loved money because he didn't want those, didn't want the bank, should I say, the bank to take his money themselves. Now, some people hide things that they might get in trouble for. Another reason... An example: of This might be a Bible, if you're a Christian in China. Now, I'm not totally sure about today, but I know only uh, recently um, that Bibles were confiscated um, and burned by communist governments, communist authorities, and now sometimes evidence enough to throw you in jail. So they would hide their Bibles so that they could read it in the privacy, some, in private somewhere, so they could know more about God, so that they could live more for God. another reason but there's another reason for hiding something and it relates to maybe personal safety personal safety it relates to our self preservation before people now we've probably got all kinds of secrets that aren't bad but that we feel that other people shouldn't know about we would suffer some kind of abuse or ridicule if they found out so you kind of Hide it from them. might lose face. I did ballet. For two years. I did ballet for two years and I wanted to do it. For two years when I was in primary school. When I got to high school, didn't really boast about that very much. (laughs) I didn't want to suffer ridicule For doing ballet. So I didn't say it. I don't think um, it's anything to be ashamed about, although right now you might be just wanting to pay me a smart comment for that. (laughs) Nothing to be ashamed about, really, I think. Yet I was concerned with my self preservation. Now I think that we can do this with our relationship with Jesus. We don't want, sometimes, other people to know because we don't want to be ridiculed by other people. We want to play it safe for our own benefit. But Jesus is nothing to be ashamed about, nothing to be hidden. He wants us to stand boldly, proud that you love Jesus, that I love Jesus. He wants us to be completely open and transparent about our love for him so that people might know that we love God. Don't hide it anymore. Now Peter's a man who has said he would do anything for Jesus. He would do anything. I'd even die for you, he says. But then when the little servant girl asks him, he denies it. And the result of him denying it before the men and the women, what was it? <clears throat> Safety. He was safe. No ridicule there. <coughs> and the real problem of Peter denying Jesus was that for a moment, he chose to side with man, with people, instead of Jesus. He became a follower of people instead of a follower of Jesus for a moment. And he did this because he thought it was the safest option. Imagine what they might have done had they found out at that point. Had he admitted he was a follower of Jesus, he might have been arrested. He might have been beaten up. He might have been put to death. He might have suffered ridicule. Do you deny Christ so that you'll be safe? How might we actually deny Jesus? What might it look like? Here's a few examples, a few thoughts. You're in a conversation and you choose to remain silent about your faith, about your love of Jesus. What about this? You're in a a conversation and there's a discussion that could, oh gee, you sense that it could go the way of God, so you kind of avoid talking about it. Or you might even try and steer it. You might even try to steer the conversation back to something that won't have you feeling kind of so kind of torn inside. So you talk about carton Footy Club or something. What about telling lies about your faith so that people don't find out? What about choosing to behave in certain ways so that you won't stand out before other people? Behaviour that would side you with people instead of with Jesus. That might include getting drunk, might include sharing a smoke, might uh, include swearing, laughing at dodgy jokes, joining in putting other people down. Do you deny Christ so that you'll be safe? Well, let's look back to the moment when all this is taking place because there's something else happening simultaneously. Verse 19 reads, Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus said, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. Meanwhile, we read, at the same time, Peter's hiding his love and his following of Jesus. Jesus is being questioned by the high priest and is responding that he has always been open to the world. Where Peter says nothing to hint of his connection with Jesus, Jesus is doing the complete opposite and stating that he has always been completely transparent. He says, I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. He's been teaching in the most public locations so that people know what he's been talking about. He hasn't been starting a hidden underground movement. He's been completely open. What an amazing contrast, would you say, between Peter and Jesus. The challenge for us, I believe, is to move from hiding our relationship with Jesus for personal safety to being completely transparent about our faith. Completely transparent. That's the challenge. Has anyone ever been to Melbourne at Christmas time and seen the, the Maya Christmas displays? Anyone? Some of you have? Outside the My Shopping Centre that kind of fronts Burke Street Mall, there are these massive windows and, I don't know, eight, maybe more, maybe less or whatever. And in each of these massive windows, there's like a Christmas display and they're kind of bright, they're uh, colourful, they're kind of moving, they're talking and it's like just fantastic and it's kind of like you have a a two-minute story being told. And then in each one of these windows, there's a different one, but it kind of progresses along. And people line up for ages at Christmas time to check out these windows. And what you have is you have a massive group of people, kind of like all huddled and watching this display. Start at window one, and then after the two minutes of going, oh, kind of Christmas stuff, you know, you kind of move to the next one, and it happens again, and it's great, it's fantastic. And I reckon these windows, like someone at the end of the day, must just come along and get their squeegee and their kind of cleaning products and just kind of make these windows, make these windows just kind of as sh- kind of clean as possible. You know, just kind of make it as clean as possible, as transparent as possible, so that people can see these beautiful displays kind of going on inside. There wouldn't be much point, would there, in uh, having these amazing displays and having a curtain in front of it? Or maybe you, or having like a, some painter go along with a, a roller with black paint and just kind of like paint over these windows. wouldn't be much point in it because the purpose of these windows is so that you can just look in and check these amazing Christmas displays. There's not much point in having such a beautiful treasure within us, a relationship with God and hiding it from people. We need to become more transparent followers of Jesus, choosing to care less about personal safety in the presence of other people and choosing to align ourselves with Jesus in those moments. We need to shine for Jesus, not hide it under a bowl. We need to be transparent. Don't be scared of showing it. It's something so amazing to be shown to those around us, to be very, very proud about, of God. Well, as we return uh, to the moment in history, we see that Jesus, that for Jesus, commenting as he did to the high priest, he earns himself a slap in the face. He gets punched or something. He's done nothing wrong. He's merely told them what they know is true. He hasn't been teaching in secret. There's no point in dragging me in for question time when everybody that has ever heard me teach, which is a lot of people, would know that. And I'm sure Annas, the high priest, knew that as well. And while uh, the Son of God is being slapped in the face for declaring his transparency. Uh, we jump back to Peter in verse 25. He's been asked once, denies it, second time coming up. You are not one of his disciples, are you? He said, he denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? And for a third time, he denied it and at that moment a rooster began to crow hours before when he had said he would die here was the conversation peter asked jesus lord where are you going and jesus replied where i'm going you cannot follow but you will follow later peter asked lord why can't i follow you now i will lay my life down for you Then Jesus answered, will you really lay your life down, your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Jesus had predicted Peter's denial and the rooster crowing marks the sad arrival of the moment. In Matthew's account, it says Peter went outside and wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. For denying Jesus. And every time I read about Peter's denial, it really challenges me and and sometimes it really saddens me. Because I'm reminded of the many times that I choose to remain silent. Or in a sense, to deny, choose the way of safety um, from persecution from other people. Do you share with Peter the sadness of denying Christ When we stand before people and declare with our words and our actions that we are followers of Jesus, we may well suffer ridicule from others. But to some, we will present the path to eternal life in relationship with the loving creator of the universe. The path to eternal life. That's what some will see. This is amazing. Deny Christ, hide Christ, and you deny people the way, uh, the way home to God. Another result of being transparent is that you put yourself in the best possi- possible position to grow in your relationship with God. Denying Christ does great harm to your relationship because you are in effect pushing Him away so that you can enjoy the praise of man over here. Denying Christ results in shame, separation from God, but because you are choosing man over God. On the other hand, being transparent about your relationship with God is saying to God, you first in my life. It's obedience to God first, not people. And this is where God wants us so that he can grow us into someone more and more like his son Jesus. So transparency directly affects Um, your relationship with God. Now, I don't know exactly what uh, you're thinking at this moment. If you're feeling like you're pretty good at this transparency thing, being open about your faith, hopefully you're thinking, I want to be as transparent and open about my faith as possible. Some of you, uh, some of us might be struggling. But there's great hope. There really is great hope. You see, there was a follow-up conversation with Peter a few days later and Bible scholars they call it the uh, conversation that kind of Jesus reinstates Peter that Jesus despite Peter's denial of him despite his denial of him says you can have another chance at following me at being my disciple see Jesus is so merciful anyone else might have told Peter to pack his bags and kind of get out of their sight But Jesus, he is so merciful. He's so full of grace. And he's thinking exactly the same for us. He's certainly saying to us, and very sternly, I think, don't deny me. Don't you be ashamed of me before men and women. But he's also merciful to us when we try but fail to meet the mark. He says to us, try again. Put me first. Submit again. Humble yourself again. And try again. So if you've been hiding your connection with Jesus and therefore denying him, be encouraged to not feel condemned. Don't feel condemned. That's the way of Satan. But rather hear him calling you back calling you back to him. He says, me first, try again. Now to use a bit of the Maya Christmas windows analogy, I think there are a whole lot of eye-catching displays in our world. Windows that display escapism through drugs and alcohol. Windows that display purpose and fulfilment through unhealthy relationships. Windows that display purpose and fulfilment through sport, through materialism, through money. But we have the most amazing treasure on display to people. A display that can lead them back into relationship with God. A display that can heal the broken relationship they might have with God. I just want to encourage us all here tonight to make it one of our goals. Make it one of your goals to become more and more open about your love for Jesus. Don't deny Him or hide Him for personal safety, come back to Him. Submit to Him. Speak and act as a believer who is transparent about their faith. That you may grow in your faith and that other people might see and hear about the way to have eternal life with God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the uh, example of Peter. Um, Lord, that he was human and that he loved you so much but that he at one time denied you for his, uh, for his personal safety, safety, Lord. But God, we know that uh, when we do this kind of thing that you are so merciful and you just long for us to try again. You long for us to turn from um, being more cared, caring about other people and to turn to you and, and look for your kind of uh, love for us. And we just pray, Lord, that you would help us And Lord, that our lives might more and more glorify you and that we might more and more know your great love for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks, Phil.